0: Our scripture reading this morning is from the letter of 1 Thessalonians. It's on page 986 in the Pew Bible, and we'll read the entire chapter. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come.
1: Thanks, Richard, for reading the scriptures for us. I'll pray and ask God's uh, help as we uh, look at them together now. Heavenly Father, we uh, once again bow in your presence, and we ask now that uh, your word would be our rule, your spirit would be our teacher, and that your greater glory would be our supreme concern through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I've often used one of these Sundays on the early part of the year To give us a bit of an update about what happened in the previous year as a church uh, What we're thinking about in the upcoming year And the things for us to be encouraged about I suppose you could think of it almost like a State of the Union address as a church But I confess that I hesitate to use the phrase State of the Union Because I fear that you may begin to heckle me As our president was at his State of the Union So uh, let's just call this a bit of a, a talk on church matters But things that I think are of importance for us I'll begin uh, by saying that God willing uh, Six Sundays from today, which happens to be Palm Sunday Our church members, uh, those who committed in this way Will uh, be invited to gather together in this room at 5 p.m. And on that day, we will together ratify our uh, very own church constitution Now that may uh, sound a bit vague to you Or like uh, paint drying in terms of interest and I, I get that so uh, let me at least try to put it in context for us so that we oh, will understand that April 2nd is it's going to be another one of those memorable days for us in the life and history of our church The reason being because a church constitution is it's her it's her guiding document It's how she is to to operate and to be organized It gives explanation to things like how we're to be led how we are to sort out getting along if and when we disagree how we are to handle our finances and other things like that. Uh, additionally, the, the state of Ohio requires that a nonprofit organization uh, like a church must have uh, articles of governance, which is what our church constitution is. So, since the fall of 2015, uh, our governing document has been the Constitution of Parkside Church in Bainbridge. It makes a lot of sense that that's the case because as a church plant uh, from that place, we've brought along with us uh, Like a similar understanding of Christian ministry If you like we share a common uh, DNA as far as churches go We we look a bit like each other even though we are quite different from one another. Uh, They are very big Relatively speaking. We are very small Uh, They are located in the suburbs of the Chagrin Valley Here we are in suburban Lakewood Context is different But the things that we hold to are are very similar We we both uphold the, the authority of the scriptures We teach the Bible as clearly and as applicably as we can With the Lord Jesus as the focal point We make it our aim to keep our focus on the main and plain things of the scriptures And to be charitable on secondary things where people conclude differently So so my point just being this who we are becoming here on the corner of Woodward and and Hilliard has been deeply influenced By what first began at Parkside all the way back in 1960 1968 on the east side of Cleveland and Because of the vision of that church our church got its start in 2015 And since that time we've we've been helped by the support of Parkside and it's a reason that we're Ongoingly thankful for the relationship that we have together and as we become Like more established over these last seven plus years Both the the leadership there and here have come to the recognition that it's it's time for us to become a fully independent So we're like uh, stepping through the threshold of a of a new doorway And It's time for these things because we have our own church members and elders We have a a building in which we uh, can meet The things that we do are rightly ordered by the scriptures empowered by the gospel We're financially stable It's all this to say by God's grace. We've we've like grown up in the ways of a maturing Christian church And in thinking about that imagery of growing up I've likened the church planting experience with Parkside to to kind of being like what happens uh, for many not all But for many people in in your 20s as you enter into your 20s and you move into those things You you do things like you you move out of uh, your parents home You begin to pay for your own car insurance You get off either your mom or your dad's health insurance of course, you still talk and text with your parents because uh, you love them. In fact, uh, today is my mom's birthday. I'll be sure and at least text her, but I'll certainly call her. You, you keep up with each other, but we all get it. There, there's an appropriate separation that takes place as you uh, grow up in life. You take on respo- the fuller responsibility of life, the fullness of responsibility for life. You become independent. And that's like the the best illustration that I can come up with to give us a feel for where we are developmentally as a church. So us ratifying and adopting our church constitution is kind of like getting off your parents' health insurance plan. It's like signing a lease or a mortgage in your own name for housing. And, And some, as a church... We've matured in all the ways that we hoped and prayed would happen in 2015 And it's now time for us to take on the fullness of responsibility Our our new constitution on page one It it gives a little expression of all that this represents actually gives two paragraphs of it But here's a snippet from it. It says this It pleased Almighty God By his Holy Spirit To call certain of his servants to unite here in Lakewood, Ohio Under the name Parkside Church West Side." And he has sustained and prospered this work to the present day and We having searched the scriptures under the guidance of the spirit have recognized the need to reconstitute ourselves to conform more closely to his will for the church in this age and Prepare ourselves for greater efforts in his name so ratifying our own uh, church constitution it like represents And Recognizes what God has done in us and through us to this state and also all that we anticipate to be the start of so much more to come So uh, April 2nd It will be a historic day for us because there's only one time in the history of a local church that you get to set in place Your initial founding documents and say here it is the sale is up and here we go Granted you you can and you'll need to make amendments to things as you come upon them, but But what our members will do in six weeks, it it will be a very special time for us And in preparation for that 30 days preceding it on March 2nd Our church members will receive an email with the details about that day In that email, you'll receive a digital copy of the new constitution for your review and your consideration And then uh, paragraph two will also highlight a couple of other subjects that will be addressed at our annual meeting uh, like uh, your desired approval as of Dan Miller as one of our uh, new elders that we would like to have join us. We'll also uh, mention in that email that we'll have a, a more f- thorough uh, financial update during our meeting, but I at least wanted to take a little bit of a moment today and just give us a, a sneak peek of that for our collective encouragement, because most notably, uh, what happened last year uh, through the routine giving, throughout the year, and then paired with the building uh, pledges that were made from when we m- moved into the space, uh, the collection of the combination of those two funds allowed us to pay for the entirety of our stained glass window project that we undertook last year. We, we thought we would have to tag that onto our mortgage, and we were able to pay for it entirely out of pocket last year. We, we never saw it coming, and as the finance team pulled it together, we were, we were amazed by it, and so I, I wanna say, thank you for your generosity for all the things that were represented and no matter what the donation was that you gave and you have made all this possible we have been wonderfully blessed by god in these things and next on the agenda for us as as prudently as possible is to uh, make the mortgage go away for the way for what we purchased this for and then the renovations and We'll say more about that uh, during that meeting but I, I say that at least now for our passing encouragement and thankfulness as i as i said in a little letter i wrote recently that the lines have fallen for us in in pleasant places as the psalmist says and i hope that you'll recognize that too It's a significant time for us april uh, 2nd will ratify this constitution And then there's uh, formalities that happen later on in the year uh, that document will turn in paperwork to the state of ohio uh, Our articles of incorporation and they will recognize that it'll have largely be unseen, but uh, still significant This right here is a copy of the original articles of incorporation for parkside church in bainbridge That were filed with the secretary of state on december 29 1972 and somewhere in a dusty bin in a file there will soon be another one of these articles of incorporation that were filed on our behalf small But significant probably later on in december So technically speaking, we'll still be an entity of parkside church through these remaining months But once the paperwork is filed we'll become a separate entity ourselves And then just like that presto everything changes for us And nothing changes at all Yeah, nothing at all So what I mean is just that we'll become an independent uh, local church, but Who we are as a church will remain unchanging So we will gather for the public worship of God just like we're doing now We will proclaim the gospel and teach the scriptures. We will share in baptism in the Lord's Supper We'll help each other in our discipleship and our Christian living We'll encourage one another to keep talking with our friends about the Lord Jesus We'll pray for and send out from us Christian workers and missionaries to places beyond us So organizational things begin to change April 2nd and then later on in the year but, uh, But the heartbeat and the vision of our church remains the same That one sentence summary of our mission statement Which sits on our bulletin has been there since 2015 Remains the same What are we on about? To glorify God by helping people become committed followers of Jesus Christ Two parts to it First of all, the aim of our church is to glorify God Which means it's not about personal uh, accomplishments Or even institutional excellence The aim of all that we do from our Sunday gatherings To our community groups To personal interactions To make much of our creator and less of ourselves To glorify god The second half of the mission statement works out how uh, primarily we're aiming to do this by helping people become committed followers of jesus christ Helping people whether uh, they may be agnostic or unbelieving The weak and struggling christian Along with the believer who is steady and desiring to keep growing in grace helping people whomever they are and whatever their grasp of christianity may be we would befriend and help each other sort out What it means to live for the lord jesus It's been the mission of our church since it began Because it's the mission of every church As jesus commissioned the disciples with these words Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them and teaching them to observe All that I have commanded them What Jesus said to the disciples By extension is now said to us As the faithful keeping of his commission happens Primarily not exclusively but primarily in and through the local church So with that in view I want to connect what I'm saying About our becoming an independent local church with these opening couple of verses in 1st Thessalonians that were read for us just a few minutes ago I won't be thorough in this and really just two little snapshots that I want to pick up on I found myself thinking about uh, this collection of letters in the back half of the New Testament Because they were originally written to first century Christian churches and sometimes to church leaders and so these letters then shape how ministry is to be done in the church along with Unfolding the nature of the church's identity So this is not a full explanation of her identity But we see for example in the opening words of verse 1 That the church's identity is at least tied to Her being established by earthly leaders That's the significance of those three names Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy These three were like the first of the first church planters In Macedonia long ago in the region of Thessalonica And the simple observation that there were three of them tells us something really important about ministry, which is that it's never done by just one person So Paul may have been the the leader of leaders, so to speak But undoubtedly there's much that wouldn't have been accomplished were it not for the friendship and the partnership of, of Silas and Timothy So, you know the history perhaps that these three helped to establish this new church But then they had to leave the region and go elsewhere and then what happened? Well, there were other church leaders With names that we don't know who faithfully took on the roles of pastoring and discipling and leading It highlights for us that that leaders and and starters of churches are important But they aren't unreplaceable Because Inevitably over time leaders come and leaders go and yet the church remains because it's not built on a person or a Personality the church is the gathering of a people That's what the word church means Definitionally, it's it's the gathering or the assembly of God's people We often use the word as a descriptive for a a, a building But it's actually the the word for the people who meet and assemble inside of the building So churches gather together on Sundays as the assembly of God's people That's what it means to be the church Also, it's why church attendance matters Now we don't go around with a clipboard and find our church members and say Absent or present today We don't do those things. That's uh, that's not the tenor of things and is a bit tedious and not what we're aiming to do But but we do try to be pretty clear as best as we can that when we commit to one another in church membership Part of that commitment is expressed in attending regularly a sunday worship service Granted there are good and understandable reasons to be gone vacations and sometimes sickness or extended illness sometimes work schedules Those things happen But there are high expectations for for being here that come with church membership Because we we need each other definitionally speaking. We belong to each other Pointing point in case I read an article this week that listed uh, nine benefits of regular church attendance Uh, I won't give us all uh, all nine because that'll take way too long and you'll be bored by it all But uh, let me at least give us uh, three that I thought especially stuck out number one church attendance can make you happier make you happier So uh, desiring happiness is like the normal instinct of a creature made in the image of a happy God Uh, In fact God delights in our holy happiness so It's no coincidence that Harvard researchers concluded weekly church attendance effectively improved the physical and mental health of millions of Americans and reduced mortality by 20 to 30 percent over a 15 year period Not only that But other studies assert that faithful church attendance can help to prevent uh, The despair that sometimes leads to early deaths by by suicide or, or alcohol abuse Weekly interaction with hopeful people Is good for your mental health Church attendance can make you happier Secondly, church attendance is an act of love to your neighbor So uh, as a church we engage in the means of grace uh, to grow us and sustain us really through the ups and downs of life And one of the ordinary means that god uses to to guard and keep a christian going in life is the presence and friendship of other believers Which is to say that to belong to a church is, is to commit to belong to one another So when we come on sundays when we take an interest in other people when we have an eye on the lookout for those who may be new or or less connected, those things are an act of neighborly love towards someone else that God uses to both bless you and bless them. Now, uh, I think you, you know this, but we're not made into Christians because we attend church. We attend church because we are a Christian. And as we do so faithfully week after week, church attendance is an act of love to your neighbor. The last benefit I'll mention is that church attendance uh, pleases and glorifies God, which is really the greatest benefit of faithful church attendance. So, uh, think about it like this. To glorify God is, is, to, is to think and say and, and do the things that direct the world's attention to the only one true and living God and when we uh, gather sing ponder the scriptures and pray together our own attention to god is most uh, sharply focused which is the purpose of our existence we were made to worship and our worship worthy god knows what's best for us and so he he calls us in love to as the scriptures put it consider how to stir one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together church attendance pleases And glorifies God You see friends when you are you and I are regularly here We'll be in a position to regularly hear how God's word and spirit Changes and transforms people That's what was happening in Thessalonica long ago People's lives were being changed and news of it was spreading all over the neighborhood and into uh, regions around the uh, The area people were hearing how unbelieving people were becoming christians as they quote turned to god from idols This talk of turning to god It's really sprinkled all throughout the old and new testaments because it's the image of of conversion or salvation Uh, Since the the first of the Ten Commandments says that we are to have no other small small g gods It's only natural that for people to have turned to the living and true God will mean for them to have turned away from from imagined and and lifeless gods Now we we live in a very different culture from uh, these first century Christians where for the most part We we don't have gods that dwell in, in temples Although we do have shopping centers and we have Amazon and all those sorts of things uh, But we may not have idols in the way that they did in terms of temple things But we're still a very spiritual and in fact increasingly superstitious society It just so happens that that our idols are false gods. They show up. They manifest themselves sometimes in more subtle ways So, So what's an idol in our day? Well, here's the definition that I use over and over because it comes from the New City Catechism An idol is anything that we turn to for hope happiness Significance Security HHSS hope happiness significance or security So work it out like this an idol is something in which your heart depends on entirely things or even desires That become powerful idols and gods in our lives They demand an allegiance from us Which is due exclusively to the living and true God For some people it's this ambition for money or power or or fame Others of us are consumed with our status at work Or we have hobbies and and sports that overfill our lives Some of us obsess over a relationship status or a person We might be addicted to food or alcohol or hard drugs or, or sex So it actually turns out to be, writes John Stott, that every idolater is a prisoner held in humiliating bondage. And what was happening in Thessalonica was in a conversation with a uh, a Christian friend to another person, I don't know, maybe in the listening to of a sermon, uh, people were hearing about the gospel of grace Which says that jesus will break in us the humiliating bondage that our idols have over us And when a person hears this good news when they repent of their idolatry and turn to jesus for forgiveness and freedom Something radical and almost unexplainable happens The power of those idols are loosened within us And sometimes a person even experiences being suddenly and completely set free from what was once a controlling factor in their lives You see friends There's only one force strong enough To overcome the humiliating bondage of an idol And that's an encounter With the living and true God That we meet in the Lord Jesus And when you turn from Your idolatry to him He becomes the new dominant reality in your life Your Lord But his rule over you isn't domineering and enslaving instead he releases you from your idols all of their humiliating and unfulfilling demands and he fills you with his love and his mercy overwhelms you and then he sets you free in service to him I wonder if that's what you have been looking for you hardly even have words to articulate this sense of emptiness and so uh, being so tired of falling into the same trappings that leave you the next day miserable. Well, if that's you, it, here it is. Today is the day for you to turn to God from your idols. Notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying try harder to be better. I'm not saying well, you better get yourself tidied up and then you can go have a conversation with God No, notice the immediacy of it turn to him denounce your old ways the humiliation of your idols and he will set you free He will make you into be a new person You actually just speak to God like you would to a friend that you've wronged You go. I'm sorry for the way. I've just tried to run my life apart from you. I need you to forgive me for these things And I actually need you to reorient my life around you Instead of a him or her or something or 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 someone else You you see the uh, the gospel The message of Christianity is this proclamation. It's this it's this invitation It's this beckoning call to as Packer put it to live your Christianity as a religion of faithfulness Rather than an idolatry of achievement So the gospel is a summons to repent And rest in jesus Not to achieve with the hopes of being approved It's not tidy yourself up and then turn to god It's to respond to this invitation from him To come and then he says and once you belong to me you come and then You keep coming to me With all of your idolatries that still linger and all of your messes, you come to the cross of Christ. Why? Because there and only there do we receive the never-ending, always-increasing grace of God. Let me try and illustrate it for us like this. I read this article this week called uh, Love Sparks Joy, Marie Kondo, and the Search for Rest. Uh, Some of you will know the name Marie Kondo. She's the star of the hit show Tidying Up with Marie Kondo her show a Netflix number one nonfiction release earning seven award nominations kind of a big deal Uh, She made a name for herself by encouraging a fairly extreme organizational and and minimalistic strategy So she's got this line that you're to keep only what sparks joy in your life and discard the rest I said it's basically I think a tidy house happy life. She would go that is so reductionistic. It's so much more than that Well, that's a fair point, but that's at least the essence of it a tidy house happy life And she put her finger on something Something that is deeply desirous for us all because for the most part She's a household name whether you agree with her ideology or disagree with it So this is who she is Did you catch the way that she recently was in the headlines again? Because in a bit of a plot twist The now 38 year old mom said or maybe even was actually confessing that messes are now okay to have in your home I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Where, Where did that come from? quote Just after my oldest daughter was born I felt unable to forgive myself for not being able to manage my life as I had before But with time, I eased up on myself Then, after I gave birth to my second daughter, I let go of my need for perfection altogether This admission of a near 180 degree turn of life It was shocking for those who who, who resonate with Kondo's outlook after all her her Instagram perfect and house tidying world was perceived by some people to, to almost like be a, a deeply spiritual way of living In fact Kondo was known for like greeting each house that she tidied up which almost looked like a prayer So she thanked the house for the chance to address the space and now she's she's shifting from this sort of like religious lifestyle. Why? Because of her kids Because of them she let go of her need for perfection altogether Now on one level you go, thanks for admitting what everybody already knew I have kids, my house is always a mess You know, thank you, I'm actually more encouraged by that than anything else That's only part of it There's more to it Because what Kondo is saying That the reason she's doing life differently now isn't just because she got defeated or she gave up or because of necessity But because observes chris watched her she saw her kids as a new spark of joy More than that an enduring flame Even though it made staying ahead of cleaning more difficult in other words relationship broke the back of the rules a greater and more powerful love overcame her need for perfection. You see, friends, the story of redemptive history as the Bible unpacks it is remarkably similar. Because it moves us away from the vanity of always trying to to clean up ourselves to put on our best image for other people To prove ourselves in order that we'll be accepted that we'll be okay with ourselves That we'll receive the approval that we think we so desperately need it moves us away from all those things instead to a place of faith to a place of rest in relationship with the one true god who loves us to become a christian represents a movement from achieving and seeking approval to repenting, believing, and resting in the one true God who says to us, turn to me from all of your idolatry with all of your baggage and bumps and bondage in hand. I'll set you free. I am the one that you need. As Watchter puts it, and therein lies the hope for all of us No matter how tidy we like to keep our homes Life is better when we own our messes At the foot of the cross When it's by the never-ending Always increasing grace of God That we live and find acceptance And meaning with our creator Are, Are you hearing this? The proclamation of the gospel Of good news is good news Because it says you don't have to keep trying to prove yourself and wear yourself out You don't have to try and seek approval so that you'll uh, achieve and then you'll get sort of like maybe this uh, divine blessing. No You can't you never be able to Instead God says to us. Here's the invitation I have for you Come to me And keep coming to me Christian person go to him and keep going to him with all of your lingering idolatry and messes, and go by faith to the cross of Christ. Live your Christianity as a religion of faithfulness rather than an idolatry of achievement.